the free for all roundtable round two joining me on round two deb hutton who you heard a moment ago former advisor to two premiers children's music teacher michelle morrow and Newstalk 1010 contributor and senior counsel at national public relations bob richardson welcome all hey i saw an interesting story that uh, those of you politically interested people will find fascinating and i'll start with you bob apparently Merritt styles who just took over the job of running the provincial ndp she's the ultimate replacement even though she was the only candidate uh, for um, uh, Andrea Horvath. Um, she's going to take down Doug Ford. What do you think? Uh, look, she's uh, she's got a big task ahead of her in order to do that. But um, uh, she's actually, I think, a very talented politician. She's smart. Uh, she's been uh, a good education critic for the NDP. She's done very well in Davenport, her seat. She's won it by large margins the, the last two times that she's run. She's a former president of the NDP, so she's got a lot of uh, political experience. I wouldn't underestimate her, but uh, I wouldn't underestimate Doug Ford either. Okay, but Deb, um, got, uh, you know, someone like Bob, someone like you, they, they can tell us what here she did, who she is. I don't think the public knows that. No. Uh, the public sure. doesn't know a thing about her. Uh, it was a big problem for the NDP that they didn't have a good, vibrant leadership race. First of all, it's good for candidates. And second of all, it generates a lot of publicity. They didn't really get either of those two things. So from that perspective, their leadership, uh, without a doubt, was a bit of a disappointment. Deb? Yeah, I mean, usually after a leadership race, the leader, no matter what the party is, has to unite the party under the different um, camps that supported the leaders. Ironically, not having that, I actually think makes it worse for her to have to unite the party because nobody had a debate about what the party really stands for. And I think her biggest problem are her downtown urban elite social justice warriors versus the traditional labor base that the NDP have so often uh, represented. And one of the reasons it's the biggest challenge vis-a-vis Doug Ford is Doug Ford, at least for the private sector unions, has taken that sort of piece away from her, despite all of the the noise around uh, the notwithstanding clause and and the education workers and the ongoing disputes that are going to happen. I still believe that sort of small C values exist in what is her base and that they don't should be her base and that they do not like the social justice warriors in the party. All right. Well, Michelle, you're not from inside politics the way the other two are. And so maybe I don't know if you knew who she is or she isn't, but it's it's three years till an election. So she's got plenty of time to impress or otherwise. Yeah, I knew nothing about her until she won the position. And so I'm I'm really excited to sort of get to know her. I'm to full disclosure, I'm not an NDP voter. Um, but I do think that healthy, strong leaders make for better elections and make for better politics overall. So I don't know if she can take on Doug Ford, but hey, why not to give her like give him a run for his money? And she looking at her history or biography, it's really interesting where she's come from. She's worked really hard. Um, she came from a small family at East Coast. So maybe that will connect with people that sort of like down home, sit down and talk with people, not someone who like just uh, comes in, shakes hands and leaves. So it might work to her advantage. Well, give her a shot. One of the people who uh, signed that letter to, uh, to um, Mike Schreiner of the Green Party to come in and lead the Liberals made the point that one horrible election for the Liberals is a horrible election. To have two of them is a trend. So, Deb, uh, do the NDP have a better chance of taking on Doug Ford, or do you see the Liberals surging back? 
Well, interestingly, at least there are more people still vying for the Liberal Party leadership than were vying for the NDP leadership, which I find actually quite interesting, given the standings that uh, that both parties have had in the last two go-rounds. I think she does have a good shot at it. I mean, Bob spoke to her personal uh, style and credibility, and I would agree with that. I think she is a solid leader. And quite frankly, while I think Schreiner is not the answer for the Liberals. I don't see any great candidates for the Liberals that would outdo Merritt Stiles against Doug Ford. All right. So uh, calls grow to declare Toronto homelessness a public health crisis after extreme cold. Bob, would you call it a crisis in Toronto? Look, it's certainly a difficult issue. There's no question about that. But, you know, we're spending more money than we've ever spent in the history of Toronto on this issue. We've created more spaces, I think over 9,000. When there's a situation like we had the cold weather on the weekend, they create some temporary spaces as well, an extra four to 500 spaces. Um, So, you know, I think to say that they're not doing anything as Alejandro Brava, the far, far, far left uh, councillor in uh, Davenport is saying is simply not true. So I think we also need to, uh, if we're going to have a discussion on this issue, we need to have a discussion with a base of truth of what are we doing, what can we afford, and, and, uh, and uh, you know, uh, is it being effective or are there other things uh, that we need to do? And we haven't had that, uh, we haven't had that discussion. Uh, her approach is just to throw as much money as you can possibly carry in your hands at the issue. I think that's not the way to go. One of the people I talked to this morning, Michelle, on this issue earlier, and I wonder as a taxpayer how you respond to this, um, the response was, that's plenty of money. We just got to put it there. It's plenty of money. Yeah, I think you can throw money at any problem and it can disappear. The problem cannot be solved. I think we need to stop and look at where we're spending that money and how we're spending it. Because what we're doing right now, like Bob said, we're making these efforts and we're pouring money into this and yet nothing is changing. So maybe it's a case of we need to revamp, like stop for a second and look at what we're doing and how perhaps it's not working. Um, You can't say Toronto is not doing anything, but there are people who are going to say that they're not doing enough. And that may be the case, but we don't know until we actually study the results of what we're doing now. I'm glad they've opened warming stations, that's great, but that's not a long-term solution. I was talking to Vaz Bednar, Executive Director of the MPP and Digital Society at McMaster University, on her column in the Globe and Mail on why the government is spending millions on social media advertising. And Deb, you've been there with a couple of conservative governments, and I make this accusation against all governments, whether they are conservative, NB, NDP, liberal, whoever it is. Um, they spend millions of our dollars in order to in quotation marks, inform us. My position on this was, no, they're not. They're spending it politically in order to say, hey, look at us, pat ourselves on the back. They should spend party money on that. Yeah, I agree with that. We we did have a tightening of rules here in Ontario to that end, that there is a, a board that has to review whether this is actually a PSA, public service announcement type of advertising, which I think is your point, Jerry, that is all they should be doing if there is a need for that. Uh, warnings, uh, opportunities, those sorts of things. But too often it is, let's sell our budget through advertising, let's sell policy A, B or C through advertising. And that is not the role of government advertising in any way, shape, or form. So I think uh, it, it, you got to tighten up the rules. You got to put in place a system that uh, makes sure that what goes on the air is actually something we, as taxpayers, we as voters, need to know, not what the government wants us 
to know on their behalf. I always say, Bob, maybe you'll disagree with this, that if it's actually stuff that the public needs to know, then send all of us in the media, traditional media, new media, whatever, a press release, we'll give them the advertising for free. Well, look, that that's that's part of the solution, but that, that also gives you the, the right to decide uh, what government programs you're going to profile and which ones you're not. Not sure I want to give you that right, Jerry, or anybody else. I think the government has an obligation to tell people about the things that it's doing, and you have to pay for that in this day and age. But uh, I, I agree with Deb. I think the approach taken by Ontario, by and large, has been pretty good. Um, and, it, and it, by and large, has focused on the programs and has been less political. There's been a bunch of different governments um, over the last, uh, of different stripes, I might add, over the last 15 or 20 years or 30 years that have, uh, have gotten way out of control and have effectively been spending plenty, uh, public money on advertising themselves. That's wrong. But I would say Ontario's not pretty much at the sweet spot yeah. and has done a re- relatively decent job at it. Yeah, we were talking about federal money, but but it's all of the same issue. And by the way, Bob, it's very humbling uh, to have you uh, sort of suggest that I represent all the media. Because <laughs> I, I, I might say, I'm not interested in this, but then the Toronto Star would say, we're interested in this. Yeah, but, you know, uh, uh, with great respect uh, to the to, to uh, the Toronto Star, it's got a pretty small following now in comparison to where it used to be. Media is very different. You do need a, so, uh, a significant presence on social media, uh, and it's much more niche than it's ever been. So as a result of that, um, I think government does have a responsibility to communication, uh, communicate with folks. When you hear uh, or see an ad, Michelle, that the government has paid for and said, brought to you by the government of Ontario, brought to you by the government of Canada, do you say, thank you, government? <laughs> I guess it depends on what it is. If they're just bragging about, hey, the government is doing this, love us so much, then I'm like, screw you, I don't want to hear that. <laughs> Let me figure that out on my own. But I do appreciate that they are taking measures to reach people where they can reach them. I do think that we need to look into social media and t- TikTok and Twitter and that sort of thing. Even if I don't use those platforms, I think a lot of people do, and it might be an easier way to get in touch with people. But Deb covered it perfectly. If it's not, if you, if it's not things people need to know, like finding out about services that are available, use your party money. I I don't want to use taxpayer money to brag about what you're doing because I don't know if it's actually true. Might be a bad time to do balloon advertising. I'm just saying. Yes. Um, <laughs> so um, there, there's a story today. They paid top dollar for pre-construction homes at the market peak. Now they're building. Uh, their builder is selling the same models for less. Michelle, I look at this, and sure, if I bought a home for a million dollars, and then um, the exact same home by the, the same builder is now selling for eight hundred thousand due to market conditions and interest rates and all that, it might irk me, and people will complain about that, but I never see the person who bought it for 800000 coming back to a builder or uh, a previous owner when it hits a million saying, I think I owe you some money. Yeah, it's a really sticky situation, I think, in the fact that the people are now struggling to get their mortgages and that and their financing in order when the when their houses has been reevaluated that could cause a problem is madame responsible for that i don't know for sure um but i wish they would work with them there's been cases in the past of uh people I feel weird saying ordering houses, but like pre-buying before the house is built and then companies returning the deposits and reselling them at a higher rate. So um, there is perhaps some shady things going on. I wish we could look into that. But at the same time, the market's going to fluctuate and it really stinks for these people. But I don't think they have a leg to stand on saying Madame has to drop the prices. I think, Bob, that people don't want to look at housing as a market. 
No, uh, they don't. And they expect uh, a huge return on it. Uh, and uh, that that's what they want. If you went out and bought a house last May, June or July and have an open, uh, you know, uh, open ended mortgage. Well, you know what? That probably wasn't very smart to do. And if uh, a little bit of homework and a little bit of foresight would have told you to be very cautious doing that. That's what happens in an open market. Sometimes it goes up. Sometimes it goes down. I've owned a number of houses over the years. I've mostly made money, but one time I didn't uh as as a result of the market so it is what it is and i think you've uh uh you know caveat emptor uh buyer beware and uh, people need to take that sort of responsibility themselves. Well, this is Deb why it bothers me, and I only have about 30 seconds here, when I hear people say housing is a right, well, then they forget that it's a market. Yeah, I hate the notion that we're getting dangerously close to housing being a right, whether we're talking about homelessness, whether we're talking about government intervening in prices. You're 100% right. A market is a market. And by the way, a contract should be a contract. All right. Um, so that's Michelle Morrow, Bob Richardson, Deb Hutton. Deb Hutton will stick around and fill in for me, along with John Tory Jr., 9 to noon. I'm Jerry Agar. I'll be here this week on The Morning Show while John Moore enjoys a vacation, and he's back next Monday. This is News Talk 1010. Catch the roundtable, round one at 745, round two at 845. Weekday mornings on more in the morning. News Talk 1010 Toronto.